Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bosch. The number of clean diesel models in North America will double by 2014. Bosch Clean Diesel. Good. Clean. Fun. Bridgestone. Your journey. Our passion. And by Dow Automotive Systems. Improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. Welcome to AutoLine Daily for May 16. I'm John McElroy, and here's the news. Nissan has the Toyota Camry in its crosshairs. It's going to run its North American assembly plants on three shifts, and that will give the Nissan Altima the manufacturing capacity to become the best-selling car in the U.S. market. Camry sales have plummeted 30% over the last four years, starting well before Toyota ran into problems from last year's earthquake. Four years ago, the Camry had a sales lead of 167,000 units over the Altima, but so far this year, that lead has shrunk to under 30,000 units. Nissan probably will not pull it off this year, since it's undergoing a model change for the new Altima, and those three-shift operations are not yet in place. But until Toyota figures out how to solve the Camry's sales slump, it's just making Nissan's job all the easier. Red Poling, the former chairman and CEO of the Ford Motor Company, has passed away at age 86. He was one of those rare finance guys who knew how to slash cost, but doing it with a scalpel, not a hatchet. In 1997, he delivered a pre-tax profit for the company that I believe is still a record today on an inflation-adjusted basis. And when he retired in 1993, Ford had five of the top 10 selling vehicles in the American market, including the best-selling car and the best-selling truck. Today, it has three of the top 10. Yesterday, we reported that Ferrari's throwing its hat into the hybrid ring with a 12-cylinder supercar. Today, Porsche's making news, revealing the prototype version of its 918 Spider. The car is all dolled up with a retro-themed black-and-white livery, and this plug-in hybrid is powered by a 500-horsepower, 4-liter V8, and two, yeah, you heard me, two electric motors. Zero to 60 miles an hour should take a scant 3.1 seconds. Top speed should be about 199 miles an hour. Fuel economy is alleged to be in the neighborhood of 78 miles per gallon, but that's on the EU test. You're not going to get that in the real world. Naturally, all this speed and technology ain't cheap. Porsche's asking price is $845,000, and that's comparable to Ferrari's hybrid monster. Okay, who of you out there wants more diesel-powered cars in the U.S.? Can I see a show of hands? Oh, all of you. Well, now Autoblog's reporting that Kia may be the next company to offer an oil burner in the U.S., Apparently, some PR reps were asking fans on Facebook if they would consider driving a diesel. Naturally, the answer was a resounding yes. But here's the part of the story where I have to let you down gently. Nothing is official yet. But it is important to note that Kia already sells diesel Optimas in other markets. Ford is taking a unique approach with its advertising. The automaker just launched a series of ads that feature the new Escape, the Fusion, as well as the Fiesta and Focus that do not reveal the identity of the automaker until the end of the commercial. 
In fact, we found some online ads that do not identify Ford at all. It's all part of an effort to grab the attention of car buyers who just tune out an ad as soon as they realize it is about Ford. So far this year, Jaguar sales are up 17% in the American market, but worldwide, it is a different story. The British brand's sales fell over 30% in April compared to March, its worst performance in nine months, and as a result of that, Tata's stock is getting pounded. Hey, coming up next, it's time for You Said It. Drivers who want to get the most out of their cars. It's Bridgestone or nothing. And now it's time for a number of your comments. A number of you commented on the data crash recorders, those black boxes, that the U.S. government is now going to require on all new cars by 2015. Todd T. says... Remember all those lovely folks that claimed their cars accelerated like possessed demons even though they were stepping on the brake pedal? They did this to avoid responsibility for an accident they caused. You know, Todd's right. That's exactly why a number of automakers already have those black boxes in their cars and have had them well over a decade. They are there to protect them from lawsuits. And Chuck wonders if this regulation means that Someone will have to retrofit one in their 1965 Mustang? Nope, Chuck, it only applies to new cars. Because, you know, you need cars with anti-lock brakes, electronic throttle control, and engine computers to be able to use those black boxes. We got a lot of comments on the new Nissan Altima, too. Lex wants to know, why does the new Altima look so good and rich while the Versa looks so crappy and cheap? Lex, I guess I would say that's because the Altima costs twice as much as a Versa. A base Altima is over $21,000, while a base Versa is under eleven grand. Earl worries about the transmission in the Altima. I hope the Altima doesn't have a CVT, he says. I have not heard a positive comment yet about those CVTs that a lot of people refer to as rubber band transmissions. And Tango R34 agrees, I will not get a car with CVT. It's the most horrific transmission that may sound great on paper, but is hopeless in the real world. You know, for the most part, I agree with you guys. But I'd add this, in cars with larger displacement engines with good torque, CVTs work a lot better. Plus, Nissan has made giant strides in improving the CVT, along with its supplier partner, Jatco. Besides, the Altima, like a number of cars with CVTs, has a sport position on the gearshift lever that makes the CVT behave like a seven-speed step transmission so you can sort of have the best of both worlds. Speaking of transmissions, Kit Gerhard saw our report on Porsche coming out with a seven-speed manual and wonders, is there really any need for that seven-speed manual? Six seems like plenty. But I guess I thought the same thing about three, and then four, and then five. Yeah, I don't know. Seven does seem like a lot. Mac heard me report on the Job One ceremony for the original Chrysler minivan in 1983 when top executives in the company couldn't get out of the back door of the minivan that rolled up on the stage for the ceremonies. He wonders, as for the inability to get out of the back of the minivan, was it not because of the child safety lock on the door and not a quality issue? Mac, 
This is a great story. After that humiliation, Chrysler's public relations people called everyone in the media who attended that ceremony to tell them it was a child block issue. Since I was at the event, I got a call too. And I had to remind the poor PR guy who called me that those vans did not have child blocks when they launched. And you know, that violates one of the cardinal rules in public relations. You can spin it all you want, but you better not lie. Hey, keep those cards and letters coming. We'd love to read them. And don't forget to join us for AutoLine After Hours Thursday night when our guest will be Ralph Gilles, the head of design for the Chrysler Group and the CEO of the SRT Group. Ralph is one of the true gearheads in this business. So join me and the auto extremist Peter DeLorenzo for the best insider discussion on the hottest cars in the business. And that wraps up today's show. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.